1: tell he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill.
0: It just makes you want to sing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Liquid Church. My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Liquid Church. But as we get settled in, can we just say, give a big shout out to our other campuses like Nutley, New Brunswick, Mountainside. Can we just say hello to them, everyone watching online, listening to the radio? So good to be with you guys here today. Now, today... On our Christmas playlist, we are cranking up that old classic carol that you just heard, Oh Holy Night, which is for many of us, I realize, one of our favorites. So let me do this. I want to share with you a little bit about the history of that classic carol. You see, that song, Oh Holy Night, was actually written in the mid-1800s by French poet Placide Capo, And he was actually an atheist. Okay? He didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Christ, and what's more is he was actually something of the town's kind of um, hell raiser, so to speak. Nonetheless, a local priest actually hired him because he was an off-the-charts talented poet and this priest had hired him to write a poem based on the christmas story as it is found in the gospel of luke chapter 2 and the thing is this is so interesting once Placide finished writing that poem he absolutely fell in love with it as a matter of fact he got one of his muso friends to put music to the words of his poem and voila this is the song that we now have today. As a matter of fact, it has been on everyone's Christmas playlist ever since. And, and take a look at the first line of this particular song. It says this, oh holy night, I, I'll spare you by not singing it, okay? Oh holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night's of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Now watch this. This is the line that I want to focus on these next two. It says, a thrill of hope, the, what now? The weary world rejoices. Why does the weary world rejoice? Because of the next line, for yonder breaks a new and glorious more and I love that because to be t- totally, completely honest, if there were two words that describe the world that you currently live in right now, would you be able to say that maybe those two words might be "weary world"? And anyone brave enough to admit that that they live in a weary world? I mean, just just think about this past year, or even just the past six months. Uh, Remember that government shutdown we had? Remember how for over half the month of October, there were nearly one million federal employees that had to take an indefinite furlough, and on top of that, another million plus that had to report to work without knowing for sure if they were gonna receive a paycheck Or not. I mean, that is wearisome, right? I mean, just think about it. Is anybody weary of Washington? I mean, it is completely gridlocked. We're talking about partisan politics, it's paralyzed and dysfunctional, and many of us are weary because of it. Or just think about this. Think about Typhoon Haiyan. This was one of the strongest tropical cyclones ever to have been recorded to hit land it ripped through several of the Philippine islands taking with it over 6,000 lives and even though it happened over a month ago still to this day this very day there are over 1,500 people still missing is anyone here weary of natural disasters I mean, I don't know about you, but it seems like to me, every six to nine months or so, there just seems to be some sort of tsunami or tropical storm, a typhoon, a hurricane, an earthquake, a tornado, and whatever it is, it just, it it almost seems like this weary world is actually convulsing. But you know something? It's not just about Washington. It's not just about weather patterns. Has anyone seen Hannah Montana lately? I mean, come on, people. Is anybody weary of twerking? right? Do you know what I'm talking about? See, guys, we live in a weary world, whether it's the government, whether it's climate, or whether it's culture. I'm asking you today, what is it for you? What is it about this world that grinds you down? It literally sucks the life out of your bones and makes you completely weary. You know, is it your finances? I got an interesting story. In your programs today, you should have one of those Christmas offering envelopes. Well, true story. A couple of days ago, we received some of these Christmas offering envelopes in the mail and one of them, this one in particular, did not have any money in it. It didn't have a check in it either. Instead, what it had was this note. I'm gonna read it for you word for word. It said, I'd love to help, but I have no job, no income, no money, and I'm about to be evicted Myself, my heart just breaks for that, right? And she continues, she says, Merry Christmas to those who have friends and family who can help them. That's sad. That is a weary world. Or maybe, maybe you've got some tension in a relationship that leaves you weary. A friend of mine shared with a group of us last week, he shared how his marriage has somehow deteriorated into like this stale business partnership. You do your part and I'll do mine, okay? And that's how we're gonna get along. I mean, it's absolutely so weary. Or how about about health issues? I know, I'm looking out and, and I see many of you, you have been suffering for a long time physically. I mean, for so long. You have a chronic issue. And you've been battling this, you've been going to doctors and getting medications and changing different levels on and on and on and on. And this year, it has been particularly draining for you. And so here you are at Christmas, we're near the end of the year and you're like slowly somehow just kind of limping to the finish line that is the end of this year because you are completely drained and weary. So friends, what is it for you? What is it that contributes to your weary world? Did you know that for Mary, the mother of Jesus, she actually suffered from all three of these weary symptoms, finances, relationship, and the physical aspect, health issues? Yeah, as a matter of fact, in the gospel of Luke chapter 2, which is what the song O Holy Night is based on, right? We're introduced to Mary, who's this poor, finances, Unwed teenage girl, which is like a big relational taboo, especially when you are physically pregnant, okay? It it actually doesn't get more weary than that picture. As a matter of fact, if you think about this weary world she was living in, okay, this poor, think about this now, this poor unwed teenage girl was in her last trimester, Okay? And she's riding on a donkey for about a hundred miles. I remember when my wife was in her last trimester, we were in a Honda Accord. Okay, that was bad enough. She's on a donkey. Okay, she's in a donkey, and they don't go to like some fancy sterile hospital. They're just trying to get a room at the holiday inn, okay? But what happens? There's no room for them. Right? you know the story. There's no room for them at the inn. And so what does she do? She has to give birth, and so she gives birth to her firstborn, her son, where there are a bunch of animals. And, and now mothers, just, just, just kind of just follow me here. Mothers, can you imagine placing your firstborn child in a feeding trough for livestock? Because that, you understand, that, that's what a manger is. You know this, right? Luke chapter 2 puts it this way. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now that is living in a weary world, but here's what I love. Here's what I love about this passage and what I love about our classic carol, and that is it reminds us that even in the midst of a weary world, there can still be a thrill of hope. See, folks, understand that even through the chaos of the night, there was still a thrill of hope because maybe these folks were thinking, maybe after centuries and generations and generations, hundreds of years of, of my fathers and my forefathers believing that there is a God who is good and that he's going to send a Savior, a Messiah, that maybe today is the day. Maybe right now this is happening. This is where I get my thrill of hope that one day a Savior would come and actually dwell in, in and amongst them. And on that day, on that day when the Savior arrives, everything about my weary world will be turned upside down. It will be flipped inside out. And it's that kind of thrill of hope that allowed them to endure a weary world. And in that weary world, they could rejoice, uh, rejoice. And so here's my prayer. It's very simple. My prayer throughout this whole week has been this. That if you're listening and you find yourself in a weary world, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, finances, relational, emotional, physical, whatever it is, that you would rediscover a thrill of hope this Christmas season. That's been my prayer. That you would actually rejoice. Why? Because the story of Jesus Christ's birth, it actually shows us, it reminds us that even in the chaos of the night, there is still a new and glorious morn that is about to dawn. In other words, it doesn't matter how dark your night may be. No matter how weary your world is, there's a new day about to dawn, a glorious morn. One where the sun comes up. One where the Savior is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And everything is different because this Jesus Christ, this Jesus Christ makes all things new. And so my prayer, even right now as I'm preaching, is that you would be able to look the weary world right in the face, right in the eyes, and say, "Uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to rejoice in Jesus this Christmas." Amen. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. So how does it do that? Look with me in your Bibles right now. Old Testament book of Lamentations. That's right, we're going to Lamentations this Christmas, all right? Lamentations chapter 3 is found on page 571 in your scriptures. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the context about what we're about to read. You see, the year here is 586 BC, and Jerusalem is an absolute, the city of God is an absolute shambles because the godless Babylonians have overtaken it, and God's people are in absolute ruins. And so, so much to the point that even the even this man of God Jeremiah is fully in de- he's depressed he's he's in full depression and he's simply pouring out he pours out his heart in this writing as he writes this book he laments okay he laments but here in chapter three there's this there's this there's this sort of switch and, and it's really interesting because suddenly Jeremiah he moves from this woeful kind of depressed mourning to this moment of faith. And now watch this. In verse 20, it says this. I well remember them. What's he remember? I well remember the pain, the sorrow, the weariness, the devastation. That's what I well, I well remember them. And my soul, because of that, is what? What's his soul? Downcast within me. In other words, Jeremiah, is he, 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 what he's saying is, you know what? I am not going to pretend. I'm not going to put on my church happy face. I'm not going to pretend like everything's okay. I'm not going to pretend and try to make people feel comfortable by saying, no, no, it's all right. It's all right. How's your day? Oh, no, everything's cool. Everything's okay. No, no, I'm not going to pretend. Life is sometimes hard. We sometimes find ourselves in a weary world. I'm not going to be Pollyanna about it. I'm not going to be ignorant about this. I'm living in a weary world right now, Jeremiah says. Verse 21, yet this I, what's he do? Call to mind. In other words, what Jeremiah is saying right here is that, you know what? It, but, but in the midst of this, I am going to call to mind. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to force myself to remember. I'm going to actually preach to myself right now. I need to preach to myself right now. By the way, I just want to stop here for a second. Do you know, did you know this? Did you know that sometimes you have to be the best preacher in the room? Did you know that? I know some of you are like, well, pff, you sure ain't. Where's Pastor Tim? Granted, granted, I get that, okay? I, I understand. But my point is this. But my, Some of you thought that was too funny. But my point is this, all right? There are going to be, I'm serious now, there are going to be some days, let me tell you, friends, where you just need to preach it. There are going to be some days in your life where you just need to preach to yourself, where, where, where you are overcome with Lies. And and evilness and temptations and and the world is so broken. You're going to see this brokenness and you're going to get so depressed and you're going to feel just so out of it. And, And it's in those moments where you need to preach to yourself. You need to call to mind. You need to remember what is true, what is good, and what is right. You need to preach to yourself. Amen. Amen. And that is exactly what Jeremiah is doing right here. That's what he's doing. He's saying, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have, what does he have? Hope. Hope. Why does he have hope in the midst of this weary world? I'll tell you why. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion's never fail. And then I love this next one. I love this next one. His compassions never fail. What's it say? What's it say there? They are new every morning, not just Sunday morning, not just Christmas morning not not just on your birthday or not just when you do your quiet time, not just when you read the Bible. They are new. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, I need to preach it to myself. I need to remember right now. I need to call to mind again. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. See, folks, it is absolutely amazing What a new day in Christ can bring. How it changes everything about everything. How it changes the way you think. How it changes the way you feel. The truth is we can rejoice in a weary world. That's the truth. And so here's the deal. In our remaining time together, I want to show you two reasons why you can rejoice in Jesus, no matter what kind of a weary world you find yourself in. And then and then we're going to cap it off with some communion, okay? So if you're taking notes, the first of the two points, if you're taking notes, is this. You can rejoice in Jesus because, number one, He provides exactly what you need. You can rejoice in Jesus because he provides exactly what you need. Now, notice, people, I did not say God gives you what you want. No, no, that's Santa Claus, okay? Santa Claus gives you what you want. Jesus provides exactly what you need. See, I I, I think it's funny. Maybe maybe it's not so funny, actually. But there's something interesting because I feel like like sometimes people, they, they come to Christ. They, they accept Jesus into their hearts. They believe in Jesus. They become Christian. They become Christ followers. And somewhere in that transition, they 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 think they think that they are entitled to what they want. They, 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 they're somewhere in that thinking where they think that Jesus equals Jolly St. Nick. But that's not true. That's not true. You, you're not entitled to what you want. In fact, as a matter of fact, no, 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 I, I'm here to tell you that it's so much better than that. That what Jesus has is so much better than that. See, a new day in Christ means you get, you, you are provided exactly what you need. Parents, I don't have to preach this to you. You already know this, especially this time of the year, right? Or just think about your child's Christmas list. Is your child's Christmas list filled with the things that they want or filled with the things that they need, Right? I mean, I'm just thinking right now of my girls. I got three kids, okay? And I just look at their Christmas list. It's all over them. Every day they write a new one. But it's the same thing. I don't know what they're doing. But the first three things, the top three things are rainbow loom, rainbow loom, and rainbow loom. This thing is driving me nuts. It's all over the house. It's all over my car, okay? And so I'm like, girls, 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 do you really do? Does this have to happen? You really you want another rainbow loom? I mean, I've bought you like 12 of them already. What this is? I can't wear any more bracelets. I don't want a necklace. No no, just no, okay? And and what do my girls say? They say, no, no, daddy, please, please, I need it. See, we all, doesn't matter how old you are, we all have issues distinguishing our needs versus our wants. But thank God Almighty, God doesn't have that problem. God provides us exactly what we need. He loves us way too much to give us the things that we want all the time. And so in this weary world, in this weary world, you can rejoice in Jesus because he will give you exactly what you need. I love the way Jeremiah puts it. Check it out. In verse 24, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my, what's the word there? Portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. See, what Jeremiah is referring to here is how earlier on, did you know that? Earlier on in the Old Testament, okay, earlier on, there were generations and generations of his people, Jeremiah is talking about, the Israelites, that were, that were wandering through the desert. For 40 years, they wandered through the desert, and God provided for them. God gave them their daily portion of food to live, to have life. And you and I, we read through that Old Testament, and we're like, oh yeah, that's no big deal. That's what God does. That's how he is. Right? But no, no, no. Just don't don't gloss over it for a second here because just just pretend that you're in a desert for 40 years. Not even 40 days. Pretend you're in there for 40 years. Now I'm an eater, okay? I love to eat. That's my confession. All right. What do you eat in the desert? There's no vegetation. You can't go hunting. How do you eat? Where do you get your daily portion of food? Where and how do you get Your daily portion. Answer, every day, God provided for them. What did he provide? Anyone go to Sunday school? Manna, exactly. Frosted flakes from heaven. Are you catching this? God gave them breakfast in bed every single day. Just imagine this. They didn't have to work for it. They just woke up and bam, there was frosted flakes from heaven. It was right there. Their only job, so to speak, their only responsibility was to simply receive the daily portion that God gave them every single morning. Now, what's so interesting, don't gloss over this, what's so interesting is this. Uh, Did you ever notice what happened when someone got greedy or when someone got afraid? Okay, God, thank you for this. Thank you for giving me this now. But I don't know if you're going to give it to me tomorrow. I, 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 what about next week? We're in a desert right now. It's a weary world. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I see some extra mana, so I'm going to take some of that extra stuff. And I'm just going to keep it right. I'm going to store it right here. Does anyone know what would happen if you stored, if you hoarded extra manna, the more than your allotment for that day, more than your portion for that day? Does anyone know what happened? What happened? It would spoil. That's right, you, you couldn't eat it the next day. It would go bad. It would rot. And so you understand then, right? You understand that. you tracking with me now? You understand then that what God was teaching his people every single day was that I am your portion. You just got to trust me. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Just leave it there. It's okay. I'm going to give you fresh stuff, fresh portion every single day hmm God is my portion. Likewise, in the New Testament, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, do, do you guys remember? You guys remember when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in the New Testament? What, how did he instruct them? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Why? why? Why was Jesus saying daily bread? Because God was showing his disciples, his disciples, hey, listen, same thing as in the Old Testament. God is your daily portion. Don't you worry about it. And so here the prophet Jeremiah is saying, "Ah, I
1: gotta call this to mind.
0: I gotta remember this. I gotta preach this to myself because I'm living in a weary world and it's so easy to forget sometimes. I don't ever want to forget. I need to remember the Lord, He is my daily portion. The Lord is my portion. As a matter of fact, you guys are better preachers than I am. You preach to yourself right now. Say, the Lord is my portion. Say, preach it to yourself. The Lord is my portion. This side. The Lord is my portion. Everyone together. The Lord is my portion. Preach it to yourself one more time. The Lord is my portion. He is exactly what I need. Therefore, I will wait for him. I'm not going to hoard things. I'm not going to run after and run myself ragged in this weary world. Instead, I'm going to wait for him. It's okay. God is my portion. And so, friends, you have to understand, God is your daily portion today. And you know what? Here's the great news. He's already in tomorrow. So whatever you're worried about tomorrow, whatever you're afraid of, it's not going to happen, it's going to happen, God is already there. You can't outrun him. (laughs) You can't go ahead of him so you don't got to weary yourself out. You can wait for him and you can embrace and enjoy what he gives you today. Worrying about things tomorrow, getting anxious and stressed out, that's the stuff of the weary world. Do you understand this? But you and I, we can rejoice in Jesus because he provides exactly what you need. I've got to be honest. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a spiritual junkie. Uh, I love listening to preachers and messages and podcasts. I listen to at least a, a dozen, two dozen messages a week, at least, okay? But I have never, I have never heard anyone preach it better than Jesus in the way that he does on the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what he says here. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Verse 31. So do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, the ones that don't know me, they run after these things, make themselves weary. And your heavenly Father knows that you what? Need them. Your heavenly father knows that you, the weary world chases after them. But don't worry, your father knows that you need them. Verse 33. I love this verse. Memorize it if you haven't already. Read it with me here. But seek first his kingdom. Read it, church. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Friends, here's the deal. This weary world will have you running ragged, chasing after things, hoarding things more, 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 especially this time of the year. It is no wonder why it can be such a weary world. But for those who rejoice in Jesus, they can trust that God knows exactly what you need. And when you need it. So I say to myself, I preach to myself. I got to remind myself, the Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. We can rejoice in Jesus because he provides everything we need. Amen? Amen. Now the second reason. I want to share with you a second one. The second reason why we can rejoice in Jesus, and this is my prayer that administers so much to you. This is some good word. This is some sweet word. The second reason why we can rejoice in Jesus is because, number two, he gives hope to keep going. This weary world won't give you hope, but Jesus gives you hope to keep going. Lamentations chapter three, verse 25, puts it this way. The Lord is good to those whose Hope is in him to the one who seeks him. And I don't know about you, but I've been looking on Facebook past couple of weeks, and it is just absolutely blitzed. I mean, it is just, it's just popping up all over the place. My screen is just blowing up with people who are jolly about Christmas. It's the most wonderful time. Unless, of course, if you've lost hope, right? Then it's not so wonderful. I mean, just yesterday, I was seeing how someone got blindsided, about their finances. They're in financial distress because this young lady had lost her job. Now, let me ask you do you think it's a Merry Christmas for her? Or, or you know, uh, may, maybe I, I've seen this the past two or three weeks. I, I did a funeral a couple weeks ago. Okay? Uh, some of us have lost loved ones very recently. All right, I know this. Could there actually be a worse time? than right about now? I mean, maybe for some of you, you're going to face your first Christmas without that person you dearly loved and cherished so much. And your question is, where's the hope? I just want to be completely honest here. I know that for myself and my wife Erica and I, we go through this just about every year around this time. I have shared with a some of you before, uh, that my wife Erica, earlier on in life, she experienced some, some devastating loss. Uh, she had two older sisters that took their lives within four years of each other. So just think about that now. She's seven and 11 years old when this is happening. It was a long time ago. I'm not going to tell you how old she is now. But can you just imagine? Even though that happened so long ago, there is still not a Christmas that goes by where we don't think of that. What would it be like if they were here? There's, there's still not a first snowfall of the season. There's still not a sunrise that we witness coming up. Where she's not, where I'm not, where we're not, wondering in the back of our minds, somewhere deep in our hearts, man, what would it be like if they were here? If they just saw that, if they, if they held on to hope just one more day and, and could have seen that, I mean, maybe that would have made a difference. Like, what, what would it be like? I, I got three little munchkins running around, and we got the Christmas tree up, and they just love it. They love Christmas, and, and, and we love it. We, we just thank God. We embrace that. We love being parents right now. These are the good old days. I get that. But man, I got to be honest. You ask my wife, Eric, and I, we, sometimes we wonder, man, what would be like if they had their aunts? What would be like if this house was a little more chaotic even than it is now and we had more kids running around because their cousins were, were, were here? What, 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 what would that be like? So I feel that. We, we, we feel that together. And so, yeah, I I feel your weariness, your hurt, your loss. But what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to tell you that in Christ there is always hope. Because 33 years after the first Christmas, 33 years after Jesus Christ was born, Jesus also suffered a devastating loss. You know what the Bible says? There's this incredible verse in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, where it says this, And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow What? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, we can rejoice in Jesus because God gives us hope. And the way that he gives us hope is he came into this weary world to walk with you. That is what Christmas is about. You understand this, right? That God himself came down to this earth and put on skin. Emmanuel, God with us. But not only did God walk with us and live with us, but he also died for us. He died in our place, a substitutionary death. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. In other words, he, he took the hopelessness of this weary world. He took the death of this weary world that is separated from God. He took all that upon himself, and he died that death to give you and me hope and true Life And so I just, forgive me if I have to stay on this for just a second longer. Just a second longer. Stay with me because you know what? I know, I know that there is someone here right now who needs to hear this. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Don't lose hope. Because in Jesus Christ, there is always hope. I get it. I get that it's a weary world out there. I get that you've been hanging on so long. I get that the night seems so long to you. And it seems like you've been holding. But I promise you. There is a new and glorious morn that is about to break. It is amazing what Jesus Christ can bring in a new day. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, Jesus said, for the suffering set before me, (laughs) yet I will rejoice because I am bringing hope to a weary world. And that's what God wants to bring you. But you have to understand That hope, that new life, all that you need, it comes through suffering. Not your suffering. It came through the suffering of Jesus Christ, of him breaking his own body and shedding his own blood. Your hope, your life, all that you need comes through Christ's suffering. And that's what we want to celebrate. That's what we want to remember. See, we're going to end this service with communion. And here's the deal. I love this. I love this because, folks, this is what Christmas and communion are all about. They go hand in hand. They're together as one. And Christmas is all about Jesus Christ coming down to this earth. It's about ce- Christmas is about celebrating the life of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And communion, <laughs> communion is about remembering the death of Christ. That we now have new and eternal hope and life because his body was broken, because his blood was shed. And friends, let me just say this. Let me just share this. Remember now, remember. Remember, who wrote O Holy Night? Was it a Christian man? Was it a pastor? No. It was a pagan. It was a heathen. It was an atheist. It was someone that doesn't believe in God. And so let me just ask you, with this parting thought, what does that tell you? It tells you that you can know the story of Christmas without knowing the Savior of the world. Does that make sense? You can know the story without knowing the Savior. See, I get it. I'm in a room right now full of people that know the Christmas story. I get that there are people watching online and listening to the radio and at other campuses, and you know the story, and I thank God for that. I thank God that you know the story about Christmas, that it was about Christ's birth. But what I would ask you, what I would encourage you, what I I would challenge you is, do you know the Savior? I get that you know the story, but do you know the Savior? Because if you do, if you do know the Savior, then in just a moment, I'm going to invite you forward to remember as he asks us to remember his body broken and his blood shed for us amen amen let's pray heavenly father we come to you right now and we ask lord uh that you would fill us up uh, with your hope that we would ask that you would help us to remember that we have all that we need because of your son, Jesus Christ. We live in a weary world. We acknowledge that, Lord. I pray that you would, uh, whoever right now uh, is experiencing the, the weariness of this world, be it financial, physical, emotional, uh, whatever, relational, whatever it is, Lord, that you would meet him, meet them in that moment and that you would reveal your son, Jesus Christ, to them right now. Show us that we have hope. Show us that we have all that we need in Jesus. In Christ's name, all God's people said, amen.